Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week, we're psyched to chat about the granddaddy of first-person shooters, Wolfenstein, celebrating Wolfenstein 3D's 30th anniversary and the franchise's long love affair with horror. But it isn't just Neil and I poetically waxing about slaughtering Nazis, as we've once again recruited friend of the show and Blade Disgusting's own, Mike Wilson, to unpack why all these years later, Wolfenstein remains a genre favorite. Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Guten Tag. (laughs) (laughs) We had such a blast uh, revisiting Castlevania with you and kind of having this all-encompassing chat about that franchise and, you know, picking apart why we enjoyed that franchise so much, what it did well to kind of be the outlier from maybe other action games of that era and kind of just highlighting overall, you know, a couple entries in the series that we enjoyed so much. So you were a uh, an obvious choice to have back to chat about, you know, an all-encompassing look at Wolfenstein, a franchise that even more enthusiastic in chatting with you this time, because that's a franchise for me that has always been like at the root of my enjoyment of not only, you know, games that use horror to their benefit, but also, you know, first-person shooters in general. So really excited to have you back to chat. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, as we'll find out, as I was kind of alluding to before we started recording, uh, you know, Wolfenstein uh, is actually sort of my introduction to PC gaming and also first-person shooters. And I've kind of had a love affair with it off and on uh over the years and uh yeah it's as you said it's one of the it's it's the granddaddy of uh first person shooters uh you know if if you guys read my i'm sure that a lot of a lot of our viewers or listeners actually for that matter have read uh my retrospective on it and i mean i i could have gone on a lot longer with it in terms of just, you know, why it was so significant and, you know, just all the games that inspired it. And it's just kind of, I, I didn't want to write a novel for anything like that. Uh, I mean, I could have just, I could have just put in uh, right at the end, you should probably read masters of doom, which is where Mm. uh, a lot of stuff that I, uh, not only just for Wolfenstein, but also doom itself, uh, just where I gleaned a lot of the information from. It's a really good book Mm. still to this day. Absolutely. Yeah. I've actually, that's one of the few like books about game development that I've read that gives you so much insight into obviously a game that is near and dear to many horror fan and first person shooter fans hearts. But, you know, we were talking before we were recording in that this is kind of the beauty of doing the podcast and having people on because you get to, you know, share anecdotes or little tidbits that, you know, within the context of a retrospective or an article, it's like you got to be conscious of like word count and like the direction of this piece and things like that. But that's why I love having people on. They get to share, and you know, in addition to uh, Neil and I getting to share our own little anecdotes about coming to games for the first time, why they were so meaningful, why mm. they, you know, don't uh, replay them, you know, every year or something like that. But just the idea of why these games you can still revisit and they hold up better than most sometimes in that regard. But um, for you, like, what was your, I assume your first introduction to Wolfenstein was Wolf 3D. Yeah. Um, back in the day. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> no, as I was, <laughs> no, as I was, as I, uh, you know, growing up uh, as a, well, I was just like, as a kid, basically, uh, my brother had a friend whose older brother had, uh, at the time, one of the top of the line uh, computers. 
and they happen to have uh, Wolfenstein 3D. I didn't know that. I had no idea because I was in, I was essentially in grade two at this point, and I had no idea anything about that. Uh, at that time, I was sort of like a burgeoning little horror fan. You know, I like I like my Universal monsters and everything like that. So I had no idea. Uh, nothing knew nothing about uh, about this game other than oh it was so cool you get to kill soldiers and it's just like oh okay so uh, anyway so we went over to to uh, uh, my brother's friend's place and they had Wolf 3D uh, the thing was that they from what I remember uh, they either did not have a proper sound card or they just didn't have it configured properly this is this is back in the DOS day, uh, days uh, for those uh, those days. were younger viewers where, uh, <laughs> yes, where you had to do, you know, computer components cost an arm and a leg and you had to fiddle with them in the background to, to make sure that they worked perfectly or at least sort of. Anyways, so long story short, uh, instead of actually hearing all of the, the German you know, uh, German phrases and everything like that, all the screams and everything, even the music for that matter, it was all PC speaker sounds. And so you would, you would like shoot, you would shoot the, uh, they, I remember specifically remember, you know, they were shooting, uh, the Nazis and it was just sort of like the, uh, you know, you didn't hear a scream or anything like that. You just see the visuals, and it's sort of there was sort of something really surreal about, uh, you know, seeing something like that. You know, seeing pixelated blood for the first time for me. I mean, again, I was seven years old. I was in grade two, anyways. Uh, and then having you know the bleeps and boops of a of a PC speaker, and then of course once uh, you know I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then when uh, when they, when uh, my brother's friend actually made it to Hitler and actually killed him, and you had the kill cam, it was just kind of like, you know, just the 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 goriness of the uh, of the death, and it's just kind of you know, my my face. You just I obviously you you can obviously you guys can see my face, but you know, our listeners can't. But anyways, you can just see like, you know, the sheer shock of my face is like. Oh, what did I just see? And it's just, you know, that sort of so that traumatized me for a bit. But then I realized, oh, that was kind of cool. And then so that was, and I had, again no idea uh, what I was in for uh, in the future. Um, but that was basically my first introduction to Wolfenstein uh, 3D. Uh, years later, uh, I revisited Wolfenstein 3D. Uh, when uh you know obviously when i was older uh my family had uh my family had bought a computer um it was it was a 486 so it, was, it could run it could run wolfenstein 3d and everything and i can remember speci- i specifically remember lugging it uh to the family cottage for the for uh the summer and we played we played Wolf of Three. You know, we played Civilization Two and Wolfenstein Three D. And you know, my parents were just we we kind of they kind of knew kind of ignored what we were doing. But then, of course, once we started, you know, they started hearing you know Actun and everything. It's just <laughs> you know, it was just sort of it's like, what are you guys playing? And I was like, oh, we're playing Wolfenstein Three D. It's like, okay, what's that? Oh, it's a game. It's cool. You get to go run around. You get to kill nazis 
my mom was like, <laughs> what? So she looked at my dad. It's like, what did you do? She, my dad was kind of like, oh, I didn't know. It's just so, but <laughs> anyway, so, so that was, that was sort of like my second, my reintroduction to Wolf, Wolfenstein 3D, um, you know, and revisiting it uh, years later, revisiting it now, um, you know, you get that you, as I I mentioned in the article, uh, in the retrospective, actually, there's a sort of, you know, I'm, I'm all, all the more ready to admit that yes, it's dated and it's repetitive, but there's just sort of like the, there's this sort of the nostalgia of, you know, being able to just, you know, just run around shooting, Nazis, <laughs> shooting Nazis, grabbing a chain gun, and then just, uh, you're mowing down Hitler. There was just something, you know, fun about that. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and I, as I said, you know, it's, you know, I can, I can acknowledge now that it hasn't aged as well as some of the later titles, but for me, at least it was just sort of, you know, that was sort of, if, as I said, if you haven't played, if you haven't at least played Wolfenstein 3D, you really should as if you're a fan of, you know, first person shooters, uh, horror, you know, that sort of thing, you really should at least give the granddaddy of first person shooters a go. So that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my ringing endorsement there. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, no matter how the game has aged in term in certain aspects, right. I spent most of the morning today, uh, going back and replaying Wolf 3D amongst, you know, revisiting and actually playing an entry for the first time in prep for this. But like killing Nazis never goes out of style, right? So that's always going to have a certain fun factor to it that uh, never quite loses the uh, the allure of Wolfenstein games. But Neil, for you, what was your uh, first introduction to the franchise? Was it also Wolf 3D or did you come in yeah. somewhere different? Yeah, um, basically like a less revelatory version of what Pat had, where it was someone else's computer seeing it for the first time, because I didn't get a PC for like five years until after this came out myself. And though I did play it then, other things were out, you know, Doom had happened, Quake had happened, and yeah, by then Wolfenstein looks a bit, yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd seen bits of it and it hadn't really left much of an impression on me as a result, because obviously... Your first is what's in your head then. So to me, Doom was more what I would expect of it then after that, because I'd, I'd seen more of Doom at that point and seen other sort of first-person shooters coming through. And yeah, like I said, by the time I actually got around to having a PC myself, Quake and Duke Nukem 3D had happened and forget about it. So while that was my initial sort of introduction to the series... It wasn't really till Return to Castle Wolfenstein where I paid attention because that was, you know, the the World War Two shooter boom in video games as it was. And it, it felt fresh and different because it was not just about, here's the Normandy landing, here's this famous battle from XX, like that. It took more of the, like, movie side of things, you know, the... the um, a bridge too far is the one I think it does a bit of that in this and where yep. eagles there things like that. So, and that was like, oh cool, that looks like that. That looks like that. And then you have the, all this occult stuff and which you know fit perfectly. And yeah, it was just 
among that group of shooters that really drew me in at the time. And yeah, that that probably was the moment I was like, oh, this this series got, got interesting. And now it was one of the many shooters of that time where I would put ridiculous amount of multiplayer hours into back when that was such an exciting idea to be like, oh my God, I'm playing online. Oh, this is just the weirdest thing ever, but also amazing. And yeah, so it, <laughs> it got off. But it, that multiplayer was also refreshing too, because most of it was only like team deathmatch, deathmatch, that sort of thing. Whereas this was very much like based on objectives, you know, like you must do this, then that, then that to win. And I thought, that's cool, uh, you know, to, that they sort of excuse the idea of doing a traditional sort of shooter experience uh, in multiplayer suite. And yeah, I think that gets forgotten a bit, you know, as the years have gone by, that it really did sort of push some different ideas. But there were so many World War Two shooters, most of them using the same engine, you know, or some variation of the same engine at that point, that yeah, it did kind of get lost. And, you know, even for me playing a lot of shooters at the time, it was not up there with, say, like, playing in those, around those years, stuff like uh, Medal of Honor, Allied Assault Online, or Day of Defeat. Those, you know, I played those far more in terms of World War Two shooters, and then, obviously, stuff like Quake 3 and Unreal Tournament as well. But, um, you know, Wolfenstein mode kind of felt a bit like stuff from Unreal Tournament there as well. So that, that's, that kind of worked for me as well. So yeah, that, that was my... I suppose, real revelation point with the series. What about you, Jay? Yeah, so I grew up in a house that was not big into violent games. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to kind of like uh, carry it like, oh, well, I'm just going to my buddy's house, the, the apartment next door, and we're just going to, you know, play Tony Hawk or whatever. But then, of course, like he had a good enough of a PC at the time where it could run Wolf 3D. Yeah. But it was the type of thing where it was like, Nobody was expecting the kids would play that because when that game, <laughs> when I came to the game, it was probably like, the first time I played it was probably like 2000 or something. Wow. So nobody was, the parents were like, walk by and they're like, oh, that looks like shit. Like, that's not something we have to worry about, probably. <laughs> like, that's their perception of it. But I remember being blown away by, I mean, it was my first, my first first person shooter. Like, that was not really a concept that I was familiar with or even knew about, really. Because, um, you know, I, my parents weren't big into video games or anything like that. And we had like an old Super Nintendo that my grandparents gifted us. So like we played Super Mario, we played, you know, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors at nauseum and whatnot. And so the concept of a first person shooter kind of like blew my mind. And, you know, seeing that like graphic violence in a video game for the first time, kind of like what Pat said, like every time you kill something and it falls over it's screen. I mean, I had audio, so I had the benefit of it, but uh, every time something falls over, it screams or like seeing blood, like those were all eye opening moments for me when I was a kid, because I was like, Oh, you can do these things in video games. Like that's not just stuff in movies. Um, and uh, you know, the interactivity portion of it obviously makes it, that much more exciting. Like, oh, you can control this guy and you can have him do this and that and manipulating and maneuvering environments in a brand new way. It was kind of like a sensory overload to the point that I kind of forgot that it was like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to play violent games and went home and talked about it. Um, and, you know, my my parents, of course, were like, well, we don't want you playing these violent games. And my dad was all pissed. But then I had forgotten to mention like, oh no, you're killing Nazis. 
during this game and you're murdering, you know, Nazis and eventually you kill Hitler. And then all of a sudden the game became okay to play. Uh, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't, they didn't quite view it in the same regards as uh, some other violent video games that I would try to play. But, you know, it was also oddly enough, the first instance where I encountered like humor and personality in a game, which was very, very surprising. Cause you know, well, I guess playing something like zombies ate my neighbors, there was plenty of humor in that, but like pairing, violence in a way in games that I'd never seen before with humor and having a lot of personality, whether it be from the opening moments, right? Where it's like looking at the different difficulty settings in Wolf 3D, where the most easy one is, uh, what is it? Can I play daddy? And, you know, yes. BJ Blazkowicz has got the uh, the pacifier and the baby bonnet on. Like that was like a very laugh out loud moment that I was not expecting from a game that, you know, has you blowing through hordes of Nazis and, you know, also just having a historical context to a game also was like a revelatory thing. I was like, again, having a first instance of like, oh, games can parallel movies in a way or, you know, literature for that matter that I was unaware of, right? It was, again, coming from the fantasy realm of like Super Mario Brothers or, you know, the horror side of the overtly horror side of things with Zombies Ate My Neighbors. And then to have this like real world conflict that, you know, We'll get into how it uh, the game incorporates, you know, real world horrors with more fictitious horrors and whatnot. Um, it was it was definitely an eye opening experience to just like a lifelong love affair with Wolfenstein, but also you know first person shooters and uh, yeah. and the like. Yeah, well, I should I should have probably prefaced uh, sort of my reintroduction to uh, Wolfenstein 3D. My grandfather actually was was in Normandy during World War II, and he was actually. Uh, with us uh, at the cottage that summer, we were playing Wolf 3D, and I was just like, uh, <laughs> just like "It's probably a good. It's probably a good thing that he can't hear, or just like whatever." Uh, but uh, no, to, it's funny. Uh, funny that you mentioned uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, uh, Neil, because sort of my, I guess, re reintroduction into uh the wolfenstein series was uh Wolf, uh wolfenstein enemy territory uh, yes. uh in college and i just i remember playing that uh constantly i was always a spy i sucked at it but uh you know my friends and i we we had such a blast playing that uh you know a class based uh shooter and yeah, it's just I don't know. It was it, like you. I played a bit of Re- Return to Castle Wolfenstein, and I did. I did like the uh, the idea of it veering into sort. I mean, granted, Wolf uh, Wolf three D did veer into the occult and uh, and subsequent its its subsequent uh, mission packs like Spear of Destiny just went f- fully into the occult and literally hell. Uh, so it was just always sort of, as you said before, the, uh, you know, the Wolf se- Wolfenstein series has always had, you know, one toe in sort of first person action, but also dip, uh, dipping it into horror in some, in some aspects, which is kind of a neat, uh, I mean, it's kind of a neat, uh, uh, neat pairing i mean you could sort of like give it sort of you could compare it to say you know i i don't know hellboy comes to mind in terms of having matching that that world war ii aesthetic but then also including uh you know the horror and the occult in there so 
I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting pairing. And of course, after that, you know, as I've said it, as I said in the retrospective, I mean, you know, it goes on to you know after Id uh, created Wolfenstein, created Doom, and then of course Tom Hall, who was the director of Wolfenstein, went off to Apogee and created Rise of the Triad and. The rest is history. So there's, there's so much interconnected tissue in the industry in the early times. It's like, oh, this person, they, these guys made this. This they use that engine like that. Like um, Raven Software, who obviously mm-hmm. went on to make the 2009 one. You know, they'd made uh, Heretic and Hex and things like that, which of course used the engine from Wolfenstein. And it's like, and then you go to Machine Games later, who made expansion packs for quake you know and you think even going back as far as you know um with return to castle wolfenstein you know, there again we have a developer going oh yeah well, we did some stuff on quake and they're like yeah well there you go you can go make the whole wolfenstein game for us sort of thing so that's been like a weird continual thing since it first started making the series again you know from what it was and you know, they're giving it to someone who's got an understanding and an experience of what classic PC shooters are, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of cool to, to see that. I mean, um, and Splash Damage, who um, went and did Enemy Territory and uh, the original multiplayer of uh, Castle Wolfenstein, you know, the, they ended up partnering with Bethesda Loads and did all sorts over the years. You know, they did Doom Freeze multiplayer, they did Quake Wars, they did... Brink, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I quite like Brink, to be fair, at the time. But yeah, it, it didn't work so well. But they also did stuff like the, the multiplayer for Batman Arkham Origins. Uh, they did the Gears of War multiplayer stuff later in the later games. And then helped with Gears Tactics, which, you know, I think is a fantastic game. So they've, it's nice to see that these legacy studios that have you know, interacted with id stuff over the years have gone on to do all these things that feel like the perfect progression, you know, like, like Gears of War has always to me felt like part of that world, you know, like it, it feels like a continuation of that late nineties, early two thousand sort of PC space stuff, you know, um, probably because Microsoft you know, being Microsoft are so PC based in the first place. But yeah. So it's, it's always nice to see that, that Wolfenstein has been a great series for just sort of, giving developers who've helped it out a chance to say, here you go, go do something big, you know, and see what the reward is for that. I mean, for machine games, it was making, you know, relevant Wolfenstein games again after so, you know, when really the last time it had been popular and relevant was 2001 with Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And now they, you know, they're going to get to go make a game for Indiana Jones and stuff like that. So it, it's great in that regard that you get to see so much good come out of this series. Yeah. I think what's really great long-term in terms of Wolfenstein is that it feels like an IP that's so malleable in so many ways because of, you know, having its foot in both uh, ponds, right? The idea of it being in history, but then also the occult horror aspect of things, which you, there are so many different avenues that you can lean down through that. And I think it's really interesting to go through and look at Wolfenstein's history, right? And that, you know, I came to it with Wolfenstein 3D, but then 
I didn't play a Wolfenstein game until the New Order, and I've subsequently gone back and then you know re-experienced some of the entries that I missed, and uh, more recently returned to Wolfen- Castle Wolfenstein, which I want to uh, come back to in a second. But I just love thinking about the idea of a franchise that you know from afar it looks like Wolfenstein, but then there's the potential for them to you know, interpret that horror aspect of things, whether they want to lean more into the occult side of things, whether they want to lean more into a little more of the historical context things with like these Nazi experiments and the, the like very real world historical background for that. But then, you know, it is a game that is supposed to be entertaining. So they lean more into a little more of the like genre body horror stuff with, you know, I'm thinking about like the, um, the soldier Sadatans or, whatever those uh, behemoths are, right? Where they take people and then fuse their bodies with metal uh, and whatnot and create these hellish super soldiers. And, you know, that's a really cool concept because when I look at something like Doom, and it's not to say like this is a criticism of Doom, but just when you look at these two franchises that from their roots being these early first-person shooters that, you know, paved the way for decades worth of first-person shooters that came after them, it's interesting just to see like how one of them can be more malleable in a way that the other one can't necessarily because of that historical context and seeing how they can play with either setting or they can play with, you know, again, like I said, the sort of the Nazi obsession with either experimentation or with the occult. And it makes for something that makes that franchise's potential really exciting, which I think we've seen in terms of, you know, going from, Wolf 3D to return to Castle Wolfenstein and then the machine game stuff. And, you know, I even recently went back and played um, the old blood, which, you know, I don't think you could be faulted for saying, well, it kind of feels like more of the same from a gameplay standpoint. And yet when you look at, you know, the setting and you see the narrative side of it, like it does feel like a throwback to a more return to Castle Wolfenstein approach, right? Where it's very much leaning into the occult and supernatural in a way that, you know, the new order doesn't necessarily do. The new order is more in line with like that body horror element that I was talking about where, you know, you have death's head and he's obsessed with, you know, harvesting human bodies and seeing what he can create using uh, POWs um, and whatnot. And then you have something like the old blood that is fully leaning into like the campy sort of like monster focus of something that was more akin to uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And, you know, I don't say all that to say like I prefer one over the other, but it's very exciting, I think, to look at like the potential of Wolfenstein moving forwards and thinking like, oh, there are so many different directions that they could go in and to see where that will end up, I think, you know, as much as I've enjoyed Doom, the new, obviously the reboot, and I, I was a huge fan of Doom Eternal, and I'm looking forward to whatever they make next. It's just that there's a certain unknowing factor with the direction Wolfenstein can take that I think is still even apparent when I go back and started to revisit the entries that I hadn't played before. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, I played Wolf 3D randomly stumbling upon it, and then, you know, didn't come back around to playing Wolfenstein until like the new order and then going back and playing uh, older entries and, you know, approaching each of them with that element of unknown made it just like, again, that kind of channeling my first experience with Wolf 3D and it being eye opening and being like caught off guard almost at that blending of, uh, of genre and, you know, narrative routes that those games can take makes it uh, just an exciting franchise and a franchise that I don't think I'll ever necessarily ever feel 
Like I know just what's around the corner with the next Wolfenstein release. No, you actually, yeah, you've actually sort of hit on the idea that I think it's perfect in terms of having the, the, uh, the franchise being partly in the fantastic in terms of the body horror and everything like that with the, the ground, if you, the grounded, if you want to call it that in terms of the, uh, the Nazis. And I think that this sort of, that's part of what the appeal is to this series is the fact that, you know, people look at it and it's just like, you know, Nazis are bad. And then you hear about, you know, like, like all the, uh, you know, Auschwitz and all the death camps and everything like that. It's just kind of like, you know, the, all the experiments that they, that they performed. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's kind of, you know, it's, is it important? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, it's, but the thing is, is that it sort of takes on a sort of, as you said, sort of the, it lends itself to being both grounded, but also giving way to the fantastical. And I think that's sort of partially what makes it, you know, so appealing to people that it's just, you know, uh, that you can do, you can go in that direction. And, you know, I mean, there's a, having a little controversy is it, when you do that is, you know, it's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Wolfenstein 3d sold, really well uh and then return to castle wolfenstein did the same uh 2009 wolfenstein i mean it's kind of you know i love i really like that game but it's just sort of i mean that was kind of an unfortunate uh uh entry in the fact that it was just probably in the wrong place at the wrong time yes and it was just sort of and as as i said before i mean i'm just going uh, going back to you know the uh the, the article that i had written way back in 2009 uh or not in 2009 2019 sorry <laughs> but it's just yeah uh you know just uh looking at that and it's just sort of you know that if you want to talk about leaning into the occult i mean 2009's wolfenstein just went full tilt into it and just also the just uh you know fully into the fantastical and just being able to you know just it was fun but you can see where some of the aspects where it, you know, it was hurting. I mean, it was just right at the time where, you know, you had, uh, you know, a glut of horror-based first-person shooters like Fear, Bioshock, Resistance, you know, Crisis, Far Cry 2, all of those games. And it really just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I know we're kind of jumping ahead here, but it was just sort of one of those... Eh, what it was one of those things that, uh, and then of course, you know, uh, as Neil was uh, talking about the multiplayer aspect, um, you know, while well, 2009's Wolfenstein, it felt like it was stripped back in terms yeah. of what it was, in terms of what you could, what you could play as, what you could do, and it just sort of like comparing that with enemy territory, it was just kind of, you know, why bother? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it was just, I don't know, it was. And then, of course, the whole the way that it was structured. I mean, having a central hub world, and you know, it was it was again appealing to trying to appeal to uh, console gamers at the time, whereas you know, you know, PC gamers were sort of like whatever. Um, and I think that's I think that kind of uh, also hurt it as well. But I think it was just it, it's really just an unfortunate thing because it's actually if you wanted to go full tilt into horror 
you know, before, you know, you had, you know, the new blood or the old blood, I should say, uh, you know, that 2009's Wolfenstein was probably as close to horror as you could get. Um, which is again, really unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, several problems sort of hit that. Um, there was, of course, that suggestion that was coming in at that point from publishers about, you know, horror games don't sell, they're not interested, people don't want horror games, so they were pushing other things. This all stems, again, from the Call of Duty thing, ironically, you know, coming in and taking over uh, the multiplayer shooter arena, which is probably yeah, another reason why 2009's Wolfenstein went with the single-player aspect and focused on something else, but yeah, it, it came at a time where it, it wasn't right for any of the audiences out there, and which is a shame, as you said, because, because it deserved better than it got. But I think when you consider Return to Castle Wolfenstein came out at a time when there were so many great shooters coming out and still stood out, and this one couldn't, you know, the, there was a very clear shift in the way who was in control of the first-person shooter genre at that point. It was no longer id. You know, it was you know, Infinity Ward, that they, and probably Bungie as well, if you want to sort of throw that in. That They were the new kings of the hill, you know. And, and so Wolfenstein, despite reinventing itself once before that, didn't reinvent itself the right way that time, I think. And it did just take that sort of whole sort of, early you know, to 2010s uh, thing of like where Bethesda and it was sort of collaborating again, you know what, we could make these games relevant again if, if we tried and pulling it off as they did really well with the new order. Yeah. You know, it felt like with Wolfenstein, uh, the 2009 uh, edition, uh, it was the type of thing where it, it felt to me at least, and I didn't finish it. I played maybe a third of it, but it felt like an overcomplicating of something that at its core should be very simplistic, um, but very, very well refined, um, which is one of those things that, you know, when I had came to it, I was like, well, why is this overcomplicating with, you know, abilities and, you know, having that hub world, which in replaying it a little bit, I haven't had an issue with the, obviously the supernatural side of uh, the gameplay elements and things like that or powers or abilities, but like the hub world feels so out of place. It feels kind of like a break essentially on the momentum that that game has that when I, and it's probably why I just uh, got done playing Return to Castle Wolfenstein for the first time. I'd never played it uh, because, you know, at that point I wasn't really into PC gaming and it kind of just missed it. And that was my fear going into it because I had known that it was going to be more cinematic than the original game, obviously. It was going to also have more of an occult angle that was going to play out in the storytelling, which was going to, you know, have more cutscenes and more. And, you know, with Wolf 3D, which was at that point was one of my few experiences with Wolfenstein at that time period. Yeah, there's story elements and there's, you know, a narrative, but it's very fleeting, right? It's this thing that once you clear one of the episodes, you get two text boxes, essentially, and that's the end of it. You go on to the next thing. Um, And I was kind of apprehensive about how they were going to incorporate a more 
unmissable element of the narrative, right? Not just in terms of like the locations and the characters and the occult angle, but, you know, having full-blown cutscenes in Wolfenstein, which, you know, back in the day I would have said are just unnecessary. But I was really, really impressed that how varied of an experience uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein actually has, right? Whether it is the very more cinematic nature, the pulpier aspects of it, you know, the game opens with uh, BJ Blasco is hanging in the rafters and dropping down into a German guard. And it's very much shot almost like, um, like a James Bond movie or something kind of where he's like hiding somewhere and then takes somebody out very covertly. Um, but then also like there's a variety of gameplay experiences where you have more stealth oriented sections, right? There's a whole section where you have to sneak into a missile base and, you know, sure, you can run and gun, but then you're going to set off the alarm right away. So you have to, like, hide in a truck or you have to snipe using this silent sniper rifle. Um, and at first I was like, okay, how does Wolfenstein incorporate other gameplay elements or experiences? And at the end of the day, does this end up representing the Wolfenstein that I know and love? And that ended up being like a resounding yes, because of how heavily it leans into, especially like when you go to Death's Head's compound, right? You've got to go to his laboratory and you start running into these crazy abominations that he's created, such as like the Super Soldaten or um, what is it called? Lopers, right? Which are these, it's basically the torso of a mutilated man. And then the bottom is kind of this fucked up Tesla reactor that yeah, allows it like to hover. Gravitational and, thing. It's like Yeah. And it's the type of thing where, you know, that is so in line with what I had always thought of with Wolfenstein, right? The idea that, sure, you're going to encounter different types of, like, soldiers, and then there's going to be the big boss. And, you know, back in the Wolf 3D days, it was that the boss was just a bigger version of those soldiers with a bigger health bar, right? Um, but to see the different, you know, supernatural and undead and very much more horror-centric in your face elements of Return to Castle Wolfenstein, I mean, it just clicked with me almost immediately in terms of like, they give you just enough early on in that game that you know that, okay, this is going to be leaning more into, or I knew that it was going to lean more into the horror elements that I had always wished that something like Wolf 3D had leaned more into, but it's like kind of obvious why they didn't. You still have these little pockets of very horror-centric moments in Wolf 3D, like you have the, I think the first supernatural enemy you meet is the uh, the mutants, mm. which are those guys yes. that have guns implanted in their chest. And they, you know, talking about that wolf 3D personality, like it's not just that their mutants have guns in their chest, but the gun only fires when they like do a Heil Hitler, which is like just very kind of within the sensibilities of kind of just like having everything in these games be very expressive in a way that while, you know, Wolf 3D, like we've said, has, hasn't aged the best in some regards. I think that that game still has its signature stamp on being unique in a way that still eluded other first-person shooters from that era, whether those have held up better or not from a gameplay or an aesthetic uh, standpoint. You know, Wolf 3D specifically, I think, feels like a game that has left its mark in a huge way that time will never really uh, damper or, you know, uh, take away from. Yeah. Um, I think that really struck me in the years after all this was that you know Wolfenstein 3D weirdly feels like the outlier now because when you go back to you know the original Wolfenstein name that was you know that was the copyright lapsed from the Muse Inc version of the game and 
you know, it took that up and made this whole new series. But the original one back in 1981 was this you know, stealth game, you know, which again, you know, one of the first proper stealth games and, you know, it had disguises and the taking out enemies silently and stuff. And you think of many of the Wolfenstein games since that incorporate those things into it. You know, uh, it's, they feel like the proper legacy sequels to the original Mused Inc. games. And Wolfenstein 3D feels like the Doom prototype now, because that's the way history has sort of worked out on that. No, it's, it's true. I mean, uh, as I said in, uh, you know, during the, the retrospective, I mean, Tom Hall, you know, wanted to incorporate these, you know, the stealth aspects of, you know, being able to subdue guards, taking the yeah. uniforms, everything like that. But at its core, it was kind of that take away from the, you know, the fast paced sort of yes. first person shooter action, which is, as you said, it was kind of, it's kind of an anomaly Wolf 3D in that, uh, you know, that it doesn't really continue the legacy of what castle wolfenstein you know originally had yeah and uh but again it's sort of sort of as to say many times over it's just it's sort of more of a prototype for what doom eventually ca- uh, came out to uh to be and it's just it's funny to, to look at it that way but uh i mean as i said you know tom hall sort of like he wanted that and you know the other id guy said no we can't do this so, so they they made him a compromise just like okay can you just at least put like sliding walls in there so we can have some <laughs> you know secrets for the player to find and everything so yeah they, so i mean it's kind of and again it's just sort of cool because that aspect of it the sliding walls you know that eventually you know, again, sort of just how influ- again going back to how influential Wolf 3D is. You know, you know, again, Rise of the Triad in terms of you know its sliding walls and just you know be it being after uh, you know being built on the Wolf 3D engine and just w- what you could do with that. Uh, I think it's just sort of you know again, it's a, just a testament to you know just how special Wolf 3D was even though, you know, the best was yet to come sort of thing with, in terms of doom. Um, and then of course you can look at all the other, the games that have, uh, that use the wolf 3d engine, you know, like I remember I played Blake stone and I liked the, I, the different mechanics that they had in there. And then quarter seven, it's just, you know, again, it's just, yeah. I just I'm basically repeating myself in terms of it's you know the idea of Wolf three uh, Wolf three D being sort of even though it wasn't the uh, even though it was didn't really directly continue what Castle Wolfenstein had started it was still memorable and and yeah. a landmark title in its own way and I think so much time had passed and you know, the way games were then that stuff like the original stuff could easily be forgotten. I mean, you know, the first game came out when I was born. So it's so to, and I didn't play Wolfenstein until five years after it came out. So even I came to this stuff afterwards and realizing that, Oh wow. Then I mean, I came up on castle Wolfenstein in sort of looking at stuff for Metal Gear Solid 
and finding out, you know, about you know, the history of stealth in games and like the war and and that sort of cropped up in there. And it's like oh, a nice little rabbit hole to sort of go down. That oh, okay, there was a beginning to this before there was even this, which is kind of cool in the sense because it's sort of like you have this historical game that kind of got forgotten turned into something else which in turn got evolved upon and turned into something else with doom and you know wolfenstein for a long time was like the baby brother you know as a result weirdly you know to doom which sort of took over everything and yeah it's fascinating to see how it sort of set the benchmark for what it would do with with their franchises when you think about it because you think about uh, Doom or Quake and you think how much they've changed over the years and reformed to be different things. I mean, Doom now is more like Quake was. And, you know, like Quake changed, you know, tone completely from game to game to game. You know, like over the space of four games, they were all completely different, you know, and, you know, I loved the first three because... They all felt like Quake, but they were also very different when you think about it. And it, it's, you know, and then you go to something like Quake Champions, which has like these little sort of you know, nods and homages to all these other things. You know, you can play as BJ Blazkowicz in that, for instance. So it, it's really ace to just have that sort of constant change going on within those franchises to keep them fresh and keep them relevant. And the fact that you know, we sit here now and, you know, Wolfenstein is still relevant. Doom is more popular than ever, you know, and maybe, I mean, and Quake even got reappraised, really, when you think about it with the last year's sort of remake, remaster thing. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they will uh, get some sort of juicy reveal of a new Quake game this year, uh, not E3. And, um, that would be great as well. And then we'll have the whole gang back together doing their own thing. And then, yeah, it'd be lovely. I mean, Christ, when you think of even the, the uh, sort of other world iterations of stuff like Shadow Warrior, you know, that have come back and become these whole different, <laughs> even in the modern Shadow Warrior trilogy, you know, game one to game three, completely different games in terms of like tone. And, uh, you know, the third game is more like Bulletstorm. Then the first the first game is like some sort of weird better Duke Nukem Forever, if you know what I mean, in terms of like it's dragging this old relic into the into the future and sort of giving it a, a fresh coat of paint. So you know, there's a lot of shooters like that that have had that sort of journey, and <laughs> it amuses me no end that you know the, the shooter that sells year by year. You know, and it's not, I know it's a tired thing to say about it, but you know, Call of Duty hasn't changed for 20 years, really, fundamentally. And it, it keeps being successful because they obviously hit the right note about a few years into that run. And they were, no, okay, we'll just keep doing that. Whereas every other one has had to be on the brink of despair and come back again and again and again with different things and see how it works. And as I said earlier, you know, Wolfenstein is. A perfect example of that is that if things aren't working out, give it to someone else, see what they can do with it. And like there's always someone who understands where Wolfenstein came from and what it's about. And so 
you know, when you go to the modern games, especially, there's such respect for that history and that legacy that, you know, again, you see it more and more with the stuff that Machine Games did with Quake, with the, you know, doing, doing modern expansions for Quake and them feeling like this natural part of the original game, but also having something about them that make this feels new, you know, it feels not like I've lost something, but it feels like I've lost something, you know, from the past, but also that this is feels modern in a way that I can't quite describe. And there are aspects of like the new Colossus, for instance, that I think get that perfectly, that really just push that idea that here's a modern version of Wolfenstein that is at its heart very much like Wolfenstein was. And I think many of the criticisms that came with that game came from people who'd grown up on the shooters that came after that. You know, that that came after Return to Castle Wolfenstein and were like, well, it's not like that, it's not like that, so I'm not really a favour of what this is supposed to be. And as such, despite generally positive reviews for those games, you know, you, you did have people going, I don't get it. I don't get what the fuss is about here. It's just you know, a shooter that does some stuff and it feels light and fluffy. And, but, you know, it's like a, a schlocky sort of grindhouse version of of Wolfenstein, the modern the machine games ones. I, I really think do a, a lot to reinforce what was always good about that idea of like oh, here's nazi germany but with a twist yeah you know that was my next question for uh for mike which was like how did the new order land for you because like i came to it as somebody that did not have the experience with the franchise that i obviously do now since it so like i came to it and i was like oh this seems like it is more along the lines of like a lot of other types of first person shooters that I've been playing and, you know, we'll get into it, but it's like, that really worked for me. But again, I didn't have this history that I have with Wolfenstein now and just the, you know, more experiences with the variety of different directions that some of these games took and just, you know, how malleable and appreciation for the malleability of what Wolfenstein has been through the years. So like, how did the new order work for you? Um, <laughs> it was really it as Neil was saying, it was sort of like uh a callback to you know just what made you know before you know before Call of Duty kind of ruined everything. I should say ruined everything, <laughs> but it's it's fine. But no, the, it was sort of, it was sort of the uh no, it was exactly it it called it called back to a time where you know you had that sort of, it wasn't the, uh, you know, that's sort of the sameness of the, that the staleness of it all that, uh, that was sort of coming, you know, with, uh, with call of duty between battlefield and call of duty. And, uh, you know, I was just, it was funny because, uh, you know, as Neil was t- talking, it was just kind of, I reminded of the whole sort of, you know, the, the boomer shooter. I know it's kind of like, I hate using, I hate using that <laughs> word, that, that term, but it's true in terms of the whole, uh, the renaissance of all of these, 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 uh, 
games, even, you know, it's like, you, it's like dusk and just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, more recently, like turbo overkill, you know, all of these games are just like, I mean, they're la- they label them boomer shooters, but I mean, in terms of, they call back to a time where in the mid, uh, mid to late nineties, where, you know, there was something really special about, uh, you know, first person shooters, you know, even though, even though they had, you know, it was dominated by, you know, Duke Nukem 3D, Quake and all that. But I mean, it's like, even, even, you know, I'm looking at, I'm remembering back, it's like, I really liked, you know, it was like Redneck Rampage, yeah. you know, Zatrix, which, which became Gray Matter, you know, just eventually worked on anime territory, but it was just sort of, uh, you know, like Blood, Shadow Warrior, Oh gosh, no, it's just at that time, that moment in time where it was just PC gaming was, even though it was kind of like, yeah, dominated by first, by, you know, Doom clones, but at the same time, it was just like, you re- look back on it now and you think, yeah, it was just like they were, they were Doom clones, quote unquote, but there was still, again, something, uh, there was something special about that, uh, uh, those games, even though they were carved from, they fought, they were following the same sort of formula, but it was just, you know, it's like, if you got bored with one, you could just go on to another. And, you know, I think that that special moment, I think uh, that special time, I think uh, was, you know, made what made uh, was recaptured, if you want to call it that in uh, the new order. And, it just, yeah, that's really all I can say about it. It was just sort of, it was one of those things that is just, you know, call back to that, call back to that time that, you know, you're like, you made you feel good about shooters. Yes. <laughs> it was something better than, better than just, you know, it's like, oh, the next Battlefield came out or next Call of Duty. It's just, it was something that made it special. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, what, was apparent right away was that you can feel that wolf identity coming through while, you know, it's much more, uh, a lot faster pace. There's a lot more, you know, chaotic gunfights that can unfold and things any, than anything you saw in Wolf 3D, obviously, but it still retains that essence. And I think that, you know, that's always what's important for me about whether it be a reboot or even in some instances a remake, right? In that, they take something that is building off of the strengths of what made it a stand. You know, Wolf obviously has that history of like, you know, again, repeating it ad nauseum at this point, but like being the granddaddy of first person shooters and whatnot and like carrying that with a certain amount of pedigree. And yet it's still, and we've highlighted it now, it still had its own personality and its own sensibilities, whether it be again, like yeah. humor or specific details in the animations and things that they fine tune. And to see a franchise that I loved so much come back into the modern age and then be reflective of both its past, but also not be ignorant to the fact that, hey, there have been a lot of evolutions in the ways that first-person shooters have been designed or the types of experiences they can incorporate. And it didn't just end up feeling like, you know, like Wolf 3D 2 or something to that extent, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like it is a continuate, like a natural continuation, uh, whether or not, you know, you could ever foresee the fact that BJ Blazkowicz would be, uh, you know, dual wielding assault rifles or dual wielding <laughs> shotguns and these things or uh, of the like. But like, 
I think that I was even more appreciative of the fact that, you know, some of the apprehension that I had recently going into Return to Castle Wolfenstein with like the more emphasis on the narrative and fleshing out that character, because, you know, by all accounts, like is a fairly vanilla framework, right? Is that it's from mm-hmm. the original, but mm-hmm. seeing the ways in which they're able to take that seemingly very simple prototypical first person shooter protagonist and flesh that out in a meaningful way and not have it feel like a hindrance on the gameplay or feel like it was just kind of like filler to let you catch your breath to the next segment of gameplay for me was like very eye-opening and it kind of completely dispelled the notion that I would ever have that I probably had when I was younger where it's like, well, why can't they just make something new? Or why do we have to keep rebooting? Like that very sort of just like thing that we see regurgitated online, that sentiment. But, you know, seeing that like, okay, clearly it's a studio that has the same love for the originals that we do. And then seeing them pay homage to that, but still pushing things in a direction that you can see a future for that franchise. Um, That was something that, you know, made me really, really appreciate the new order. Um, And, you know, we were briefly talking about the contrast between the new order's direction and leading more into like the body horror side of things, again, having a foot in both pools of historical and horror. But then when you have like the old blood, right. And seeing that, you know, similar, almost identical gameplay, but leaning far more into the pulpy supernatural side of things, um, again, just kind of like further reinforces that malleability and uh, experiences that still feel perfectly at home within that same universe. Like there was, I was kind of afraid when they had announced the old blood and they obviously were advertising and playing up the fact that like, this is going to be more along the lines of like return to castle Wolfenstein. And that kind of was like a little off putting at first to me, but then the way that game's constructed, it gives you something that the opening hours are similar to the new order by and large, but then it leans more and more again into like the campy horror side of things to the point where, you know, you have raining Nazi zombies and whatnot that have to get taken out with a double barreled. So uh, they definitely earn that return to the supernatural roots of the franchise in a way that um, was a welcome surprise when I finally got around to playing, you know, the old blood and then going back and playing return to castle Wolfenstein. Yeah, Old Blood is interesting to me because back when I played it originally, I was very aware of the fact that they were making a soft remake of Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Because, but you know, to sort of clarify the point of Machine Games' uh, trilogy, if you will, is that it is an alternate dimension version of the franchise where. You don't win the war and it continues, you know, Nazi Germany wins and it continues to evolve and become more sinister and weird and fucked up. And so they could go and do what the fuck they want. So they, you know, uh, Old Blood is like a prequel to the New Order where, you know, I try to find information about the antagonist of the next game. And yeah, so it takes in a lot of the size, you know, you get the, the, the run to the castle itself which is that uh one from where, where eagles dare i think it is I, i'm thinking it's that one um but yeah it's what's the one i'm thinking of well you go to <sighs> wolfenstein in the town of wolfburg to get that document that basically tells you where deathhead's yes. factory is that is how the new order begins where you're invading that 
in 19, yeah. I forget when the war has been pushed out to, but anyways, that's like the basis for the beginning elements of the new order. Yeah. So I was just more thinking of like the film influence of uh, Castle Wolfenstein, which is uh, Where Eagles Dare, oh, the, okay. the film. <laughs> oh, is it? That's, no, but yeah, that, that's also, which, you know, I, is one of my favorite World War Two movies anyway. So it's like, which is another reason why I loved Return to the Wolf, Castle Wolfenstein, because it was like, it incorporates that plus spookies. And it's like, yes, brilliant. This, this is everything I could want, you know, in a game. And yeah, so this does it a bit the same. And it felt like someone toying with my nostalgia for, for a game that I loved. And, but at the same time, I was more appreciative of that game in the end than I was New Order, I think. Um, I think it, really shows that machine games understands these games as i pointed out earlier you know how they've worked on old games you know many years after they've been relevant you know with the quake stuff and this feels like that you know you know like how blue point like the remaster remake team that, that you know if someone wants a game remade or remastered almost as was, they're the one to do it. You know? And machine games very much get that as well, I think, but they can do it either way. You know, They can do it like literally just, they add to something that's already there and make it feel exactly like it should, you know, like with the Quake stuff. And here, they made a really interesting remake of Return to the Castle Wolfenstein that felt modern as we've discussed before, you know, there's this whole problem of like so many shooters have come out, you know, and done all this, 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 and this in the years past. So it's never going to be as impactful as Return to Castle Wolfenstein was, you know, no matter how good it is. But I think if you were there to appreciate that original game and then come back to this, it really does make it quite impressive what they've done with it, you know, and to, had this little, and I appreciated New Order more having played Old Blood then because it feels like okay, I like this this old world version of Wolfenstein where now you are going through some of the same beats but not the way you had it before, and I like that and you know more personality, more story, and as a result, again, by the time we came to New Colossus, it just it really energized me on what machine games were doing with the franchise to that point which i was impressed with anyway but that was the point where i really got it you know new order was cool i liked it i had you know issues with you know the pacing towards the end of it but old blood felt like you know it was a little shorter sharper sweeter felt more familiar because of what it was doing and yeah, it was that nice mix of what they were doing, what was been done before, and that schlocky nature of it. Plus, you know, the the old romanticized idea of oh, it's us fighting against the Nazis sort of thing. That you know, like I said, it takes so much from Where Eagles Dare that it was cool to have that. And you know, I think uh, what's the film? What's the modern zombie horror film? Uh, Overlord. Overlord, that's it. I knew it began with O. I couldn't think of which it was. But yeah, it's like when I heard about that film and what it was doing, I was saying, oh, cool. 
it'd be good if it's anything like that. But what we really needed was where eagles dare, but zombies and like weird mecha Nazi shit. That would be great. And I'm sure one day we'll get that. Now we're in the realm of we'll make any video game into a movie. I promise mm-hmm. you. And we'll fast track it for it. If someone could make that, that would just be a marvelous, splattery, wonderful film. If they ever get around to you know making a, a Wolfenstein movie, I hope that they cast a Till Schweiger as uh, as BJ because he looks the part. Um, yeah, but you know, I think I even got more of an appreciation for the Old Blood on this recent replay because you know as schlocky as we've mentioned and it being far more supernatural of the two more or of the three more recent uh, Wolfenstein titles, it makes sense that it's a set as a prequel and that it came afterwards. And, you know, initially I was kind of like, I sort of had a little bit of the feeling that has been what I've read online where some people are like, well, this kind of just feels like story content that was cut because then it would be six hours longer in the new order. But even tonally, it wouldn't, I don't find that it would have, and this is my, my own sort of thing, where it's like, I don't think it would have fit because it would then undo a lot of mm. what I think the New Order does so well. And it's blending, again, history that's very much based in fact. And then, you know, having, I would say the New Order is the least of the supernatural of the Wolfenstein games. In terms of like, it doesn't delve into the undead. It doesn't delve into the occult. It's not magic based, right? It's more about like seeing how technology, and even if it's fictitious technology, it's still technology that is somewhat rooted in something. The idea of like, oh, they're going to make these horrific things that you would never make. It's like, well, cyborgs are not aren't necessarily outside the realm of reality, right? Maybe you know, putting human brains in them might be a step further, but who knows? (laughs) Um, uh, But you know, if there were like again. The old blood ha- firmly has tongue in cheek with it in terms of like you get more of these one liners from BJ where he's, you know, he you're going on a rampage at one point and he's just like, How many goddamn Nazis are there in this world? or <laughs> Oh, it's raining Nazis, or they have these little like camera gags where when you get the double barreled shotgun, like a Nazi zombie falls from the sky and crashes through the ground and it's like very slow to stand and it's BJ looking up at the zombie to see if it stood and then back down at the shotgun that he's trying to saw the barrel off of. And it gets faster and faster and faster. Like there's lots of these little humorous moments that I don't know, you know, not to say the new order is humorless because there is a good amount of humor in it, but pairing humor with the supernatural and then trying to have like a very poignant moment, especially like when BJ ends up at the, uh, the death camp, right. In the new order, like that's a, super emotional whole arc of that game. And, you know, there's, it's probably the least combat focused, even though there's periodic stealth segments in that, but it's more so about, you know, without, I don't know. It's very much, I think the most respectful recreation you could have of a character exploring a death camp, seeing people that are there interacting with them in a way that doesn't feel offensive it doesn't feel as if it is you know being exploitative of a tragedy in history and you know to go full like oh there's nazi zombies in this next chapter right after Mm -hmm. that i feel like it would have been off balance almost in terms of like presenting this as clearly a fictional reality of like the nazis win the war but still being representative of the real world history um i don't know that was the thing that you know 
surprised me the most in terms of the new order was that its ability to tackle these atrocities, real world atrocities, and then follow it up with like, you know, entertaining gameplay, obviously, but still mm. not feeling like it was being purely exploitative of having that entire se- uh, sequence. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, it's kind of a, it's a fine line. Um, right. Cause absolutely. I just think, I just think that uh, well, even going back to, uh, well, I mean, for the, <laughs> With under it's it's understandable. I mean, like uh, with in terms of uh, you know, even in Germany to this day, if you can call you know going uh, you know the new order this to this day. But I mean, even to this day, you know, there are still instances where you know they can't quite you know say they're Nazis. I mean, it's it's again, it's understandable in Germany, but it's just it's funny how. You know, even back in 1992, when the game, came, uh, when the original Wolfenstein 3D came out, and it was banned in Germany, I, I think there's been sort of that controversy throughout the series. Yeah, as you said, well, because think... because they're still a little sensitive to it, while accepting of that past. You know, it's like at the same time, you you don't mind people bringing it up, but you know, you don't want to have this permanent reminder in your own country of that and i get that that's fair mm-hmm. because you know it's like that's the sins of the father if you will you know the, you know you aren't really wanting to have that be this big issue that mm-hmm. keeps being like prodded on you know the only reason it ended up being such an issue in modern times again is because of you know america and that yes. that whole thing you know by the time the new colossus came out and there's actual a mini outrage about the idea of like punching nazis they're mainly like the richard spencer you know which you know, they took great glee in mm-hmm. taking the piss out, piss out of anyway and I, it just turned out to be very good marketing for the game at that point mm-hmm. right? but but also contributed to a lot of the negative reception for the game i think from the sort of people who were like you know, you can't do that. Don't say that. Blah blah blah, sort of thing. Who didn't want to hear that, and then were more critical of the game's shortcomings because of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's never been shy of controversy as a series, and it's just it's odd that it, if anything, it got more controversial later on in its life as a, a series because. You think, you know, in a world where that sort of thing is like more about, you know, be aware of what the past has done and learn from the past, all this. And yet here we are, like with people defending the idea that, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be nasty to these people and to the Nazis, you know, it, be, be nice, let it go. And, and yeah, it's weird to think that a new Colossus in a way what has, what hasn't had the impact it maybe should have as a game? I think in terms of its pre-release and everything about it, it was the perfect game for the time it came out. You know, this sort of rise of the dickheads, if you will, <laughs> that, that we had. And it did feel like that rare game where it was like, nah, fuck you, we're doing like you want. You know, it's like, and because... 
there is a stigma attached to a certain type of gaming enthusiast, if you will, that you know they don't really have much care for anyone outside their domain, and hence why they um, may be tied into certain elements, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, New Colossus just ended up being this game that, that mattered more than it maybe would have in that sense, but because of the blowback from that part of the community, if you will, um, it didn't end up being as well received as it should have, I, I mm-hmm. feel. And I think because then you have the other side of the, this community that will say, well, no, it's trying to do this message and trying to do that, but it's not doing it well enough. And it's like, how many games just come out and say, no, fuck off. This is the message, you know. <laughs> And that's it. And that was it. It wasn't like, it wasn't preachy. It wasn't trying to say anything like meaningful, deep and soulful. It was like, no, look, we're just, all we're doing is pointing out what people have been pointing out for fucking years, you know, is that this was shit. This was awful. This was terrible. And we should not ever forget that. And you should feel no shame in taking these fuckers out like that. And, yeah, the fact that it ever became an issue is why it feels like a little bit of rebellion, especially when you consider what happened in the years that, that were going on but just before it and just after it. You know, it, it, it does feel like a little protest game in that respect. And, yeah, while not everyone may agree on that in the sort of deep and meaningful sense, I think... You don't have to be deep and meaningful to be that kind of thing, you know, where you are just protesting something that is going on in the real world. And while, yes, I agree, it was very much about like, well, this is great marketing for the game if people are being whingy and shitty about that game and what it's representing. But no, as it's it's funny because uh you know, even I'm just trying to splice this all together here. Uh, It's funny because to this day, Wolfenstein still has that controversy with uh, particularly in Germany for obvious reasons. Um, Even, you know, even the original one, which is kind of when you think about it, it wasn't uh, removed from the, the index uh, that they have in uh, Germany with regards to media that you know would could be misinterpreted to um, you know I'm trying to remember Inapro- uh, that included inappropriate sim- imagery and symbols you know obviously the swastika Hitler all of that it wasn't it wasn't struck from the list until uh, until November 2019 which is. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny. It's fascinating. I don't recall uh, even return to castle Wolfenstein having this issue, but then again, they had, uh, they had, you know, anticipated that and they had changed things up. So yeah. it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the Nazis, you know, the Nazi also, sim- imagery. So, yeah. Sorry. I was thinking also at that point, you know, games like that had come about in the wake of saving private Ryan. Yes. And subsequently, uh, Medal of Honor, which Spielberg had a hand in as well. And so there was this 
very big jingoistic hoorah thing about you know, beating the Nazis and sort of you know, having a nice lap of honour about, yeah, we did that, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, then it wasn't the problem it was because everyone was like, yeah, this is great, we did this. And, of course, Wolfenstein came out, you know, Return to the Castle Wolfenstein came out just around the same time as uh, 9-11 happened as well. So I was going to say, yeah. So, yeah, patriotism was this big thing you know, at the time. And so games like that ended up being popular because they were wish fulfillment, you know, this, you know, as banal as that might sound and idiotic as it might be, that seeps into a lot of people, you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, here I can, I can fight an enemy, a common enemy, something we're familiar with and not the unknown of what we know now, you know, and so it was understandable that we had this boon, you know, of World War II stuff. And the only reason it ever ironically died out at the time was because of, you know, the, the results of, you know, 9-11 and the war that went on after that, where suddenly that was more interesting to developers to cover because it was modern and fresh and they had the whole patriotism angle, hence why Call of Duty became such a big thing. And so, yeah, I think that's where it got away with it. And like you said, by the time 2009 came around with that Wolfenstein game, no one really gave a shit. You know, but at the same time, you know, it's like you think of the shit that World at War got in the Call of Duty series, you know, which was a really good game and introduced the zombie stuff. But it got a load of shit because, it was, oh, they're going back to World War Two. It's boring. We've done all this like, sort of stuff, you know, after Modern Warfare. And so, yeah, they just ended up being like, and they, they generally end up being the weaker performing games in that series because you can tell they don't give a shit about doing it anymore. And they want to do the new stuff and people don't like that side of it because it's old weapons and, oh, you can't do this, this and this. So, yeah, it, it died a death after a while. And I think that has actually weirdly played a part in the way the world has gone in the attitude towards that war and the Nazis, I think, is that this is very modern idea of what war should be and what it is and who is the enemy and like that. And so to bring that up for a, a generation that's gone past that now and all the media that has come through that has kind of washed over World War Two and even World War One is that shrug your shoulders and say, you know, it was only ever good for some video games and some films, and that's it. And, you know, like anything, here's the conspiracies, you know, that again, ironically, began with that whole 9-11 thing of, like, this isn't real, this isn't real, and the, the dawn of the internet being this communal thing that more and more people could get on and just say what the fuck they wanted and kind of get away with it, you know, by sounding fairly smart to stupid people, if you will. And so, yeah, it's the way we treat a lot of history when you think about it is that you know, the further we get from it, the more people are apathetic towards it or even maybe take you know this condescending stance to it because they want to be seen as like, no, I'm too smart to believe what we've been taught by history. So I'm going to just uh, take what I know from my life and what has happened in my lifetime and 
you know, hence why you know, learning from your own history is such a big thing because if you don't you're as they say doomed to repeat it and mm-hmm. it's exactly it this is why because you it doesn't get addressed and so yeah we ended up at this point where new colossus comes out and people are being tetchy about the idea of telling people that nazis should fuck off and be killed you know so like, <laughs> punched even you know and it that shouldn't be a controversial statement you you could maybe say probably a little harsh, you know, give them justice, whatever, but maybe not kill them. But the the fact that people were pissing and moaning about punching people with that kind of viewpoint because it had been dressed up differently made it seem like it was something. But didn't dress it up enough that you know they couldn't correlate it with being Nazism, like that 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 was what they were saying. It's it's a crazy thing, you know, that we ended up in this situation with it, and you know, to this day, you have Holocaust deniers and and the whatnot, despite very graphic evidence of um, what went on. Then, you know, if, even as far back as just after it happened, you know, I, I think of the Billy Wilder film, the, the documentary that sort of captured the aftermath of certain concentration camps and it was it's horrific you know to the point that it's not a film you could rate or like you know give five stars to sort of thing because it's not about that it's about being this impactful this is how evil this experience Mm. was and that just makes the whole idea of this sort of absurd alt history version of the nazis where you can take the piss out of them and kill them and they're still sinister and deadly yeah. Is entirely accurate, and they are deserving of the mockery, and yet that's treated as some sort of problem. It it shouldn't be that way, but it is, and as a result, going back to the original point I made of ten years ago, Wolfenstein: New Colossus is was the perfect game for the time it came out. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's it's always funny when you have these sort of uh, these games that come out and, you know, it's not necessarily that the new Colossus was that sort of game, but you see developers trying to apply current, current day. I know that's a loaded question, but current day <laughs> views and attitudes. And I mean, it's kind of, that's, that's sort of an inevitable thing that happens. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever it is like going back to, you know, again, to return to Castle Wolfenstein, all of those, you know, the, all the shooters that came out, as you said, there was that sort of swell of patriotism after 9-11. And it was just sort of, they needed, you needed to have something to latch on to, to hmm. sort of express your, you know, you needed to do something. And that was just like, oh yeah, we'll use we'll use Nazis and we'll you or we'll use, you know, uh you know, essentially first person shooters in general, uh war to justify or to try to work out your question sort of thing. Um but it just doesn't I mean it's kind of it's weird because you have to play that with everything. Um you have to play that with a sort of you have to be careful is what I'm saying. It's just like, you know, again, I think of, you know, Rambo three, if you want to call it, you know, it really doesn't look that great, you know, 
now 30 years on, 30 plus years on in terms of you know rambo in afghanistan helping the mujahideen it's just kind of like eh, i don't know about that he's like but then again you we just, you know you did because we didn't know but it's just it's just weird that you can have you can have you can apply politics to it it's just or current events but not in terms of you have to be careful with it i mean a perfect example is you know say bioshock i know i know i know guys we're getting we're getting kind of off tangent (laughs) here but it's just sort of it's all sort of is all leads together trust me but in terms of you know applying the sort of politics and not being so vague about it as not to you know pin it down to any specific area or i mean even shows like metal gear the metal gear solid series you know that's another in terms of you know playing with politics in such a way that you don't pin it down to a specific era because then you know you risk ending up you know decades later looking like oh that wasn't such a good thing uh you know it's it's again it's all it's it's all an art and i don't i don't think that uh i don't think new new colossus is guilty of that but it's just sort of but it came as you said it came out of the time where you know a lot of silly stuff you want to call it that you know just (laughs) a lot of silly stuff before a lot of silly stuff happened after and it was just sort of just sort of i think lamb caught up in it and it was just not as as you said it affected its uh, the response i think so it's i mean it's it's tough i mean as i said uh you know you could you have to be it's a tightrope in terms of balancing you know introducing politics or events that are can be seen as oh yes i identify with that Whereas, you know, you don't want to be accused of ramming things into for the sake of, oh, this is this is this current event is popular now. So let's capitalize on it sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of a lot of games have come and gone that have done that and have gone either way. So, yeah, I mean, and as games have sort of grown up to some degree, it has become more of a thing that you can sort of pick out and go well you know the you can tell the difference between something that is doing it genuinely and something that is doing it because oh this is hot i'll do this and a new colossus came out you know it was being developed in between that time you know the first game came out and the new order came out just as we started creeping into that shitty gamergate era of things that ended up leading to all this in a way partly and so they feel removed in a way, but you know they just happen to be like the right place, right time. Um, but let's not end this episode on on such a uh, waffly <laughs> political. Note. No, 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 no. Because I think in talking about the new Colossus, I mentioned that as a game, it, while it has that about it, it's also just the most out there game of the entire series without going into you know, full occult. Because, right. you know, they fucking behead the main character and then have him come back to life by right. fucking screwing his head back on to a body. It's a super soldier body. Um, mm-hmm. They have what 
a finale scene that is just what the fuck, you know? <laughs> they have his pregnant wife fucking going on a murder spree with him, which is just that. That was just like wow. I mean, that really fit the, the whole schlock thing they were going for. Yeah. This whole like grindhouse esque <laughs> version of America, and yeah, it just it went out of its way to really just be it, you know, Tarantino esque. I suppose is the best way you could put it. it. It takes the idea of what Inglorious Bastards did and you know take the ranks, ramps it up a bit and makes it like what the hell is this going on? And I think it's the most accomplished of Machine Games' entries. And to, personally, it's it's my favorite Wolfenstein game because it does everything that was in the old stuff, the stuff that came before it. And it feels new, and it just it embraces how ludicrous it is because it comes again at that time where you know the Doom reboot happened, you know, and it's sort of click, clicking with it that all we need to do to bring these games back is to just make them modern versions of what they were in spirit. They don't have to be the exact same games; they just need to take the absurdity of what they were. And make it big and bombastic and fresh, and you know, that's what Doom twenty sixteen did, and this what which we'll be you know covering a, an upcoming episode, funny enough, and this, you know, where they were just like running with the ball they set in twenty fourteen of like you know okay this is an old history version of Wolfenstein and it feels a bit like an old school shooter, and then this was like you want to dual wield weapons that would surely break your arm. No problem. It's like you do it like that, and they give you that storyline excuse of like, "Well, you got a super soldier body now," like, like, and not because you were injected with serum. No, it's like you were beheaded. You should be dead, but now you are you know, connected to this. On a sort of side note, it always made me laugh in the pre-release for the game that you know they were doing these trailers, and I was saying, "It looks like his head's been cut off." Like he's got this line around his neck. What's that about? It's like, yeah. like that, and then of course it ended up being the, the secret story point of the, of the game that they had this. <laughs> and so, it, while that sort of nullified the shock of that moment in the story, it kind of made it more fun just to know that was coming and just have this whole okay, this is a cool direction to take, like. The way they want it, it just the whole thing of that game is just like because they get to play in the space that isn't just World War Two. It's like it's post World right. War Two, really beyond it. All this stuff has happened, and now you're getting what the sixties should have been. Plus, you know, and you know this post-war America, and it's a great blend. And I think Arcane learned a lot from that. You know, being you know stable mates uh, Bethesda with Deathloop you know a lot of what I love about Deathloop bleeds through from what Machine Games did with you know with New Colossus I mean Arcane helped out on the um, on Youngblood the, the game that was set in the 80s wasn't it I think um, mm-hmm. and which you know was okay it was like <laughs> Wolfenstein but you know it, it furthered that sort of idea of what how far can you go in you know 40 years after the war maybe you should have ended and here you are in this 
even more twisted version of like America as it should be and Europe and that. and I love that about it. I love that it, it took this whole new direction. And now that machine games are doing something else, I fully expect it'll give it to someone else again and go, you know, reboot it again, go a different direction with it again. And as ever, I think it'd be a really interesting thing to see. Yeah, you know, I almost make the comparison of like going from Doom 2016 to Doom Eternal, right? And that it got even bigger and more bombastic. And, you know, it was just such a heightened and overly chaotic experience in the best way possible for me. And, you know, going from many of my positive experiences with the New Order and seeing that again, you know, fully embracing the uh, the more ridiculous nature of the predicament and going like full balls out with that in terms of gameplay and narrative while not having as much of a reliance again tied to that the tragic history of World War II, if anything, like it gives them more freedom to explore that realm in the gameplay that might not have been as well received or jived as well when, you know, they're trying again to dabble in those moments that, you know, it's a difficult balance, like Pat had said. Um, and it's the type of thing that I think it makes me have more of an appreciation for the new Colossus after having revisited, you know, the new order and then diving right back into that for a revisit, because, you know, you get to play more around with the fantastical elements of that world, which has, you know, uh, even more extraordinary, uh, <laughs> gory results, right? I mean, it's not only that BJ gets this new suit that lets him jump high, but he can now run into Nazis and they explode when he yeah. runs into them, uh, which, you know, is just like, this wonderful Nazi killing cherry on top of an experience that also already, you know, revels oh, in that ability yeah. to do that. And, you know, you even get to ride one of those, um, one of those, uh, metallic beasts. I forget what they're called, but like you get to ride one of them and step into Nazis and then light them on fire. And, you know, it's just taking the fantastical elements that were introduced or, you know, the audience was made aware of the potential possibilities and just, you know, taking them to these new heights that you were not prepared for. Yeah. And you go to Venus which yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. and meet Hitler uh, yeah. pretending, whilst pretending to be an actor. And it's just like that sort of stuff was like, yeah, that was, that was exquisite. You know, I, I love that. It's just like, because I think one of the, the running jokes before the game came out was like, oh, you'll go to the moon sort of thing like that, just mm -hmm. to sort of follow on from stuff but yeah it's like no venus and you know, like there's this whole base here and hitler will be there and he's this shadow of his former self thing i love that that just that that was a really exquisite moment that that whole end game is just like mad bananas after everything after bj dies so to speak and comes back it is just crazy as anything and i love it that it just goes on this real tangent of like Yep, we're going to do this crazy thing, this absurd thing, because now we're fully out of worrying about trying to be just World War Two plus, if you will. And yeah, it's, yeah, you've got to love that. But that's in line with the schlocky tone of that game. Yeah. Right? And I think that, you know, they do go to great pains to still further unpackage, you know, not only BJ, not only Anna's, not only uh, Wyatt's, you know, experience with the trauma that they've endured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, showing that just because there's been this passage of time doesn't necessarily mean that they've just gotten over it, right? Which is when you think back to like any other first-person shooter franchise that's been around for as long as Wolfenstein and 
you know, you have these guys that by this point have probably killed a million bad guys or have these experiences. It's like, yeah, but their history is not really reflected in that at all. Um, and, you know, to have Wolfenstein have that dedication to attempting to unpack those things and yet still ha- at least having this schlocky tone for the follow-up and not being as tied to, you know, again, World War II, like there is freedom in that. So that way when you have this kind of grindhouse ridiculousness, it's like, yeah, of course you're going to kill Hitler. Like why wouldn't you kill Hitler? Which, you know, is a nod too to, you know, where Wolfenstein began and them letting you do that. Uh, in this is being a little more humorous considering mm. he's not in uh, mech armor and whatnot. <laughs> um, <laughs> which if anything, you know, I, I, I like that. I like that that's not quite the fight to kill Hitler. You just get to kill him as this, the shadow yeah. of his former self as Neil yeah, said. Which, uh, um, yeah, he, he's a very comfortable, I've won sort of guy and it, it makes it more, you know, the fight is over, he's relaxed, he is, you know, he's given up, if you will, be giving a shit about any of that. I like that. I do like that. Yeah, I think that basically, to, I, to, to sum up the entire, well, not just, you know, the new Colossus, but the entire series, I think it's, yeah. a, you know, if anything, I, mean, like, I know it sounds, you know, cliche, but it's all about the gameplay. And I think that it's just, mm. you know, the basic gameplay, it's just like, I mean, again, going back to what we said right at the start, this is the grandfather of first-person shooters. I mean, yeah. the whole thing was just that instant action of just being able to just, you know, just almost, I don't want to say mindlessly, but it's just, I mean, there's no, obviously no more mindless. to it, but it's just my, it's just going around shooting Nazis. I mean, it's, you know, that's part of what, you know, just makes it fun. I mean, and even then, it's just, you can't, you you could substitute Nazis with demons or, you know, mm-hmm. aliens, whatever. And it still would be, it would still be fun. I And I think that's what the main thing um, to take away from uh, this whole, the whole thing with regards regarding the series is that it's, it's, you know, just, it's fun. And, you know, a lot of it, you know, you can try to, to mix up the formula and just, as you said, uh, with the schlockiness of it or and just exploring it but again it's just if you don't have that gameplay it's you know none of what you did what none of what you set up earlier really will resonate or it just doesn't click it's all for nothing and i think that's you know I, and again i know it sounds cliche but you know when you hit it on a foot you can't forget that that magic formula, as I said, um, of just the pure action. And really that's why it's, why the series has endured for so long. And that's why first person shooters have endured for so long. Um, but again, it's just all comes back to, you know, again, Wolfen's 3D, uh, Wolfenstein 3D. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at the same time, like, yeah, at that point, if the gameplay is not in line with an experience that you can have an entire franchise, it's like, well, then why did you make a game about this stuff? You could have made a movie. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, that is the thing that I've enjoyed the most about, you know, in addition to chatting with you guys about it at length, <laughs> is that getting to revisit multiple Wolfenstein entries in such a short span of time in the last, like, you know, week and a half or two weeks, and just seeing that that is the constant thread, no matter what of the criticisms or uh, uh, criticism even sounds too too harsh but just even yeah. if there are some qualms that I might have with 
the storytelling or the attention to that and it sometimes being a little overbearing in certain entries or sections of those entries like consistently the gameplay across the board has been the thing that keeps me engaged whether or not you know a gag or a cutscene or delving more into establishing a character like that is the thing that's been unwavering in just being this fantastic example of the strengths of first-person shooters, the core of what first-person shooters should be, but showing a, a franchise that through its history has made certain additions to that gameplay. It's never been one to shy away from being realistic to the fact that like, hey, like it's been five years, 10 years, 15 years in some point. Like, Let's make modern additions to these things that don't ever allow us to feel like we've been stagnant or we've allowed this franchise to ever present something that does not seem like it is stemming from a franchise that has that pedigree of, again, you know, being one of the first to ever do it and one of the best to ever do it from back in the day. Um, and, you know, I think that shows, that's probably reflective of the fact that like, okay, it's gone from multiple studios at different points, but at the end of the day, it ends up being this thing where it's like at the, it, it sounds cliched, but people that are fans of the franchise have gotten their hands on this and done this in a way that has, in yeah. my opinion, helped the franchise rather than it ever feeling like, oh, well, it's Wolfenstein. Let's just kind of rest on the laurels of past successes. Mm -hmm. It's always felt like this ever ever evolving evolution on uh, on what has worked and what has made the future of Wolfenstein incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's ba basically what's made the uh, the series so appealing to. You know, a lot of people, not just, not in terms of just fans, but also just, you know, people who, you know, note these things. I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word historian, but I mean, as you might as well, you know, people who mark the history of, you know, first person shooters and games for that matter. You think you have to know, you have to, again, as you said, you know, people who are fans of these games will not you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but will take what made them so special and build upon that. And I mean, sometimes they, sometimes some aspects might not work so well as others, but again, it all comes down to that core that has been carried on through, you know, is countless, well, I shouldn't say countless, but several develop multiple developers. Hmm. And it's just, it's, Kind of, it's kind of impressive that it's just made it this, that has made it this far, really. Yeah, I you mean, know? when you consider it's only been when you take away the spin-offs, if you will, it's only really been five mainline entries, you know, in thirty years. It's like that that that's strangely strong lasting power, you know, to, to keep going just by having these little dabbles in between. I think where you sort of go, well, we could do a little here, do a little there. And I think you know the key to that is id, you know, and what they do uh, in keeping it relevant and keeping. I mean, Christ, they managed to bring rage back, you know. So I think if they, they, whenever they want, they can bring these thing, these games back and make them relevant again. Which is, as I said earlier, you know, Quake could be the next one that gets that pop, you know, and gets to be back in the public eye again and being something major and important. But yeah, it's lovely to see that and I, I don't think you'd get that from many companies these days where they bring out a franchise that is 30 years old and it still has the spirit 
of what it once was imbued in it, you know, and still yet still feels so fresh and new and relevant. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, before we round out, I think we should uh, definitely mention a couple of listener tweets that we received this week and people that, you know, were fans of obviously Wolfenstein franchise, but singled out a, uh, an instance or two that really stood out to them. Uh, first up would be at sleepless underscore Matt, who said that he, they just played Wolfenstein 3d in the original doom for the first time last year. Um, wow. To experience one of those games for the first time again, uh, would be truly something, but you know, they say as a German themselves, killing Mecha Hitler in Wolfenstein 3d <laughs> has been on my gaming bucket list for years. And finally accomplishing that was incredibly satisfying. That moment also, uh, reminded me of something I meant to bring up. And I think, uh, Mike even mentioned it was the death cam. Whenever you kill one of the bosses and you yeah. mentioned it earlier, like that being such a signature, moment that i tie to the original wolfenstein and just like that humor coming through in a way where it's like let's see that again and then in slow motion like essentially all the bosses when they die they kind of like almost it looks like they rot from the inside and kind of just collapse explode (laughs) collapse yeah which is a hilarious moment but you know furthermore just reinforcing how satisfying it is to kill various nazis and specifically hitler (laughs) (laughs) And then our other uh, listener tweet for this week's episode is from B.B. Blaskovich, which says they love in Return to Castle Wolfenstein when it randomly dovetails into crypt exploring, supernatural horror. And that was an element that I was not expecting them to jump into so quickly, but Mm -hmm. I just love that game's entire sort of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark approach to occult horror, right? And that it's very much tied into the Nazi obsession with the occult. And the supernatural and to get inklings of that so early on in that, I really, really liked. I was kind of wondering like, oh, well, is it going to be sprinkled throughout? Is it going to be the majority? Is Are they going to kind of like have it be this crescendo moment? But to see that sprinkled basically throughout the entire game in various sections, I thought was really, really great. Um, and then they also highlight the, uh, like I had mentioned, uh, the banality of evil that is uh, explored about uh, in the New Colossus in terms of like, walking through that fascist state and seeing people that have conformed to the occupation. And, you know, I think to Machine Game's credit in the New Colossus, they do such a fantastic job of letting you stew in that environment of that Roswell Victory Day parade where the Nazis took over. And it's one of those segments that you could just kind of like blow through the objective marker, but it ended up being a section that I spent probably you know, half an hour on just walking around and looking at storefronts, eavesdropping on conversations. And all of that is completely inconsequential to the overall arc or BJ story or overall the new Colossus narrative, but it gives so much like flavor text and lore to that world in a way that it's coming from people that clearly love this world in this game. And they want to further flesh that out in a way that makes it feel more believable, you know, in between hatcheting Nazis and androids. Yeah, especially the uh, diner scene in, in that yes. part of the game, which is very intense. Well, the game does, you know, do those games do a few of those sort of very intense one-on-one with a Nazi that doesn't know you're not a Nazi sort of scenes. I, I think machine games do them very well. Yeah. Well, also, like, there, there's that segment uh, where, because one of the things that's so confusing and alarming about that is like, okay, yeah, you've had this, 
you're expecting the Nazi occupation, but then you see like Klansmen walking around too, mm-hmm. which just like immediately reminds you, the player, that it's like, yeah, the Nazis are actually going to find people within our own society whose viewpoints are not that uh, yeah. out of line with their own, but at the same time still a- acting as the occupying force. And you get that great, I would say it's more of a dark humor moment where you have the Nazi that is chastising the Klansmen when they try to recite German. And their German is obviously dog shit. And, but it's the thing where it's kind of like you still see these two people that are at odds, but they're aligned in their hate in a way that is such a yeah. – it's a missable moment. But it is a very, very disturbing moment that happens more organically, I think, because you can miss it. It's just kind of one of those things where yeah, if you occupy that space, it's a space that I think – and the inhabitants in that space become even more – frightening or disturbing in terms of just like how matter of fact they are in that. Um, but Neil, your comments before I wrap up, your comment about like machine games being very good at creating those tense moments. I think they're good at doing both of those, right? Cause you have that mm. diner segment that's incredibly intense and it feels like something out of a movie. And then I think back to in the old blood, they're able to also take a scene that's intense, but then apply humor to it. Right. Where, there's that scene when uh, BJ is attempting to infiltrate Wolf, the castle Wolfenstein. And I forget what the bad guy, the main bad guy's name oh, yeah. is in the beginning. Um, yeah. The guy with the but, dog, um, Greta. Yeah. And he basically just says that, you know, interjects in like his passport check. Yeah. And of course, the, the, it's already been established at this point that BJ doesn't really know German that well. <laughs> and that they yeah. don't want him to talk when he goes through. But of course, this forces him to, and he notes on his passport that, you know, was it from Frankfurt? Isn't it? It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, it's like uh, yeah. And then he doesn't says that uh, yeah, I mean hot dog like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Improvisation, and he takes yeah. it as a joke, like a mocking joke of Americans, and mm-hmm. just like that is funny the way it goes across, but also like fucking hell, that is so close. And I, I love the fact you know he comes with this fucking deaf dog, and he's this big hulking colossus of a man himself, and it's like you feel like yeah, this isn't over, but <laughs> just getting this sort of mocking of who BJ is to a degree, but it also being the only way he gets through that section as well. It's just like, oof. Yeah. But I think that their, their attention and their, again, I think that that's why it shows machine games, you know, recently has been the best developer to incorporate the historical context within, again, this fantastical horror side of things. Cause they have the wherewithal and the understanding that like, those are two experience, and not to say again, like the new order is devoid of humor because there are one-liners strewn throughout, but there is such an appropriate application of humor that comes through in both of those experiences that I remain incredibly impressed with. And just in terms of like, hey, this is one moment to having that Victory Day parade in Roswell. We're not going to have humor in that, but if we do, it's going to have a darker tone to it because that's in line with, you know, the overall event. Whereas the schlockier, uh, standalone expansion pack it's like well this is more tongue-in-cheek throughout so that is more fitting of an engagement um, but yeah you know as always we appreciate uh, listeners reaching out to us on twitter and if uh, anybody else would like to you know share your thoughts on games that we're going to cover games that you've been enjoying recently you guys feel fr- more than free to uh, reach out to us at safe room pod and we always appreciate hearing from people but uh mike as always this has been a pleasure, and I appreciate uh, you taking your time to chat with us about a franchise. I think that we all uh, hold near and dear to our hearts. Well, thank you so much. It was uh, again, it was an honor and a pleasure to be here, 
uh, yeah, <laughs> this is really, it's, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, without Wolfenstein, I mean, it's, again, without Wolfenstein being what it was, you know, again, who knows what, you know, but it's true. I mean, uh, if, uh, if it hadn't struck gold with Wolfenstein 3D, we probably wouldn't have had Doom. We probably wouldn't have had, you know, every, yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, yeah. This is it. If they hadn't picked up that lapsed copyright. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just, it's all these things. You never Sliding know. Sliding doors moments, as they say. So. <laughs> <laughs> just, just with less Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes, course. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> again we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and uh neil as always it's a, a pleasure chatting horror with you for safe room indeed it is thank you for listening to another episode of safe room please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform and for updates on the show follow us on twitter at safe room pod thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys next week Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.